Step outside the comfort zone. It's time for the JoLynn Thomas Show. The show that doesn't just scratch the surface of the important issues. It gets to the heart of the matter. Here's your host, JoLynn Thomas. Cyber bullies use the Internet as a weapon. They target shame and viciously attack people with their words. These power-hungry junkies are absolutely emotional terrorists. They thrive on being able to humiliate their victims in such a public way. Today, we are putting cyber bullies in the spotlight, and we are going to shatter the stereotypes associated with bullying in general. And when we think about the stereotypes, of course, there is that little saying that most of us grew up hearing. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We are going to flip the script on that message. It is time. Here's the truth. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will break my heart. And when we stop and think about it, bones heal a lot faster than hearts. Names do cause problems for people. They break their spirit. They destroy their hope. And we cannot tolerate this because this is not just kids will be kids. These terrorists are wreaking havoc on families and destroying lives. And in many cases, their words become deadly. Now, here's where we get into a little bit of controversy, because there are those who say, look, I'm not having any of it. I am not going to believe that because somebody was called names or humiliated, they commit suicide. That's just not even realistic. And, of course, those folks are the ones who will step up and say, I've been bullied before. I've been called names, and I never thought about suicide. Here is the truth. We never really know what's going on with someone. And yes, there are those who can be relentlessly targeted and never consider suicide, but you don't know who has depression. You don't know who has some PTSD or you don't know who lacks maybe the stamina at that moment to handle any more emotional trauma. And being humiliated in such a public way absolutely causes trauma. When I think about what's going on today, my heart goes out to teenagers because they don't get a break. They are constantly bombarded by information, and a lot of it is not positive. In fact, about 43% of kids have been bullied online. And one in four has had it happen more than once. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I think that statistic is a lot higher, and here's why. 
because what we know is that only one in 10 victims will ever inform an adult. And the reason is because these cyber bullies have perfected the art of being able to control their victims. We put a lot of stuff out there on the Internet. We live our lives on social media, so to speak. We share and share and share. And so these cyber bullies have a lot of information. And if a victim ever posted something that maybe they regretted later, they can use that to control and to threaten these victims into silence. And even if the victim has never posted anything that would be embarrassing, they get a sense of who this person is, what makes them tick. They are able to learn about this person and figure out what motivates them, and then they use that. Maybe they know something that this person wishes they didn't, and then they threaten to expose it in such a public way. And the problem is this kind of stuff goes viral very quickly, and a lot of it stems from schools where you have students that will start up a Instagram page that's all about what's going on at the school. And then they post things, and they're able to hide like little cowards behind the screen, and they sit in front of a keyboard, and they just pound out relentlessly this hate. And they can do it anonymously. So it makes it a lot easier for victims, for bullies rather, to target their victims because they can say and do things that maybe they wouldn't do in person. And that makes it really challenging for those who are victim to this. So I believe that based on that, based on the fact that we do know that only one in 10 people report this, I believe that statistic is a lot higher than 43%. And think about young people. They're dealing with enough. Their brains are not fully developed, and they are being put in a position where they have to try and manage this kind of emotional terrorism. And it becomes really tricky for the schools because the schools can take that position of, hey, it happened off school grounds. But we have got to rethink our policies. We have got to recognize that children in this country are dying, that cyberbullying is becoming deadly, and that these tactics are increasing. We have these little Internet trolls that just troll the Internet, seeking opportunities to make themselves feel better by tearing others down. Or maybe it's that they want people to know how powerful they are and they sit back and watch the destruction with some kind of sick, twisted pleasure. In January of this year, two 12-year-olds were charged with cyberstalking after a suicide occurred following their relentless attacks of this student. Gabriella Green was found unresponsive at her home 
and pronounced dead at the hospital. That breaks my heart. A 12-year-old with so much to live for. And because of these relentless, vicious, mean-spirited attacks, she just couldn't take it anymore. And we don't know, as I said, what someone is going through. People don't walk around with little labels on them suggesting exactly what struggles they're facing. Often we would be surprised if we understood what was going on in somebody's mind. We are, without a doubt, our own worst critics. So here's the deal. The accused girl admitted to starting rumors, and rumors are a big part of this cyberbullying tactic. Rumors can destroy reputations and make the victim feel isolated and alone. She also admitted to making hateful, ugly comments verbally and online. She also, and here we go with the terrorism aspect of this, she also admitted to threatening to shame Gabby by exposing sensitive details about her life. Can you imagine the fear that this little girl must have been living with? Facing the ugly rumors, the hateful comments, and then wondering when the other shoe would drop, wondering when this girl might decide to turn her life upside down by exposing a deep secret that she wanted to keep private. Now, the accused boy said that Gabby texted him and told him that she was having a bad day and that she had attempted to hang herself. She also revealed that she had marks on her neck. And during a video chat with the accused boy, Gabby talked about taking her own life. And the boy said, if you're going to do it, just do it. That sends shivers up and down my spine. That cold, calculated response. But more and more, we are seeing young people disconnect. We are seeing them lose the ability to showcase compassion. And then he ended that call. He just hung up. And we know the rest of the story. It was too much for 12-year-old Gabby to handle. Now, I would suggest that what went on in this particular case would have been difficult for even an adult. But a 12-year-old, an adolescent, this was overwhelming. And it's also very sad for the accused boy and girl. I don't think they ever intended for her to really go through with it, but they lacked any kind of compassion. And when Gabby was talking about it, this young boy should have reported it. 
or he should have at least recognized the severity of the situation, but for some reason, he was oblivious to that. His heart ran cold. And he showcased in that moment an emotion that sent a message to this little girl that she didn't matter. And maybe that was just the push that she needed. She was crying out for help, hoping that maybe somebody would have said, you matter. But that's not what she got. Young people in this country spend so much time in front of the screen that I think they are losing the ability to really connect. And they play these violent video games. And in these video games, people just get up and walk away. It's not real. And I have to wonder if perhaps that isn't causing a lot of desensitizing that makes it really challenging for this generation of young people to deal with real emotion. They are constantly bombarded with social media. And back in the day, think about it. We would go home from school and we could sort of breathe a sigh of relief from all that peer pressure. Not so anymore. It is 24-7. It's always there. And once upon a time, if you weren't included in a party or a social event, you didn't necessarily have it rubbed in your face. But today, kids get together and throw parties and live stream it. And everybody knows what's going on. And often, they will sit there and target other individuals. And think that this is a way to maybe build their own reputation. We have got to flip the script. And we've got to first recognize the severity of the problem. This is not just your old-fashioned schoolyard bully. This is bullying on steroids. This is bullying that crosses over into that criminal arena. There are more cases that are heartbreaking. And we're going to talk about some of those cases. And we're also going to shine a bright light on what we can do to take control. We are going to look at some of the ways that we can flip the script and start making a dent in this very ugly problem. Yes, the truth is ugly, but we have to find the courage to face it because we can't begin to deal with this problem unless we have the courage to stare it straight in the eye. I'm Jill Lynn Thomas. We're going to take a quick break right now. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Step outside the comfort zone. You're listening to The Jill Lynn Thomas Show. We are putting cyberbullying in the spotlight today. We are flipping the script on this ugly problem and looking for ways that we can make a dent and give hope 
and healing to those who are relentlessly affected by this problem. There are still those, believe it or not, who would claim that bullying, whether it be online or in person, is just a rite of passage, just something that kids do. But if you look around, you will recognize that bullies don't always outgrow that. They don't leave the schoolyard or walk away from the computer or graduate high school and stop. Because we see this kind of behavior in the workplace, in public settings, and by grown adults as well. Cyber bullies thrive on the ability to humiliate others. And oftentimes their words become deadly. And we have to find the courage to face that. It's not pretty. It's not comfortable. And it certainly isn't pleasant. But if we are not willing to face it, then we cannot begin to bring hope to those who need it most. Ryan Halligan committed suicide at the tender age of 13 after allegedly being bullied. 13-year-old Megan Meyer took her own life after a cyberbullying attack. Phoebe Prince killed herself after relentless cyberbullying. 18-year-old Tyler Clementi resorted to suicide. His case brought national and international attention to this problem of cyberbullying. Jaden Bell was 15 when he decided he couldn't live anymore. His suicide was prompted by vicious targets that stemmed from cowards sitting in front of a keyboard relentlessly viciously attacking this teenager. And there are more and more cases of this. And what we have to recognize is that this is destructive on both sides of the coin. Before the break, we talked about those two te- those 12-year-olds being charged in the death of a classmate who resorted to suicide. These young people have so much power at their fingertips. They are walking around constantly tuned in to social media and to the world around them. But oftentimes, as you and I both know, what is presented on social media is not necessarily the authentic truth. 81% of young people think that bullying online is easier to get away with, of course, because they can hide like cowards and be anonymous. And carrying a cell phone, it brings about a lot of positive things for young people. As a mother of a 13-year-old and a 17-year-old, and then I have a grown son, I can tell you that it's nice as a mom to be able to check in and know that your kids are okay or know where they're at. It's a nice safety feature. 
You can have a peace of mind in knowing that they've got that phone. But it also, make no mistake about it, makes them vulnerable. Because of that statistic, because of the fact that over 80% of teens use a cell phone regularly, they are vulnerable. They are at risk for being the victim of a cyber bully. And that's something we have to consider. We have to figure out how to reach these young people, how to get them to connect with real emotions. So often their online image becomes much more important than their real life. Look around. You'll see people who are more interested in documenting their life than living it. They miss precious moments because they have their heads buried in their phone trying to document something for Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, Facebook, you name it. But that becomes their focus. On Netflix, there's a great documentary. I don't know if you have seen this, but it was really eye-opening for me. It's called Audrey and Daisy, and it talks about two young women who were relentlessly bullied by classmates Classic examples of cyberbullying. And I'm not going to give away too much of this, but I certainly encourage you to take a look at this. As I watched this, my heart just went out to these families and to these young girls. The torment that they had to endure day in and day out is unthinkable. And yet it happens more than any of us can possibly even imagine. I want to give you some details on another case. Sarah Lynn Butler, a seventh grader from Arkansas, took her own life. And the last message she read on social media said she was easily forgotten. And she was just a stupid, naive little girl and nobody would ever miss her. Sarah left a suicide note, and that note said that she could not take what people were saying about her anymore. We never know what somebody's capacity is. So for those critics who say, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, get a thicker skin, that is not going to fly. Because, yes, there are people out there who would be able to brush that off. But we don't know who they are. And we don't know who has a time in their life when they are looking for an excuse. Where they feel as if they have no value. You don't know that. These cyber bullies don't know that. And they just target relentlessly in Iowa a freshman named Kenneth was absolutely tormented by cyber bullies he even received death threats by phone Kenneth's mom said it all started with an anti-gay Facebook page And his sister says 
that when he came out as gay, his friends turned on him and they became the bullies. Imagine the pain of that. People you once trusted. People you had a bond with. Turning on you. And his friends didn't just turn on him. They recruited other people to harass and humiliate him. All because they felt that they were taking the higher road. Oh, he's gay. It's okay in some way. That's what they believed. And that belief was devastating. Kenneth told his mom that she had no idea what it felt like to be hated. A freshman, a teenager, living life believing that he is hated. Nobody should feel that. And young people do not have the capacity to process that in the same way as an adult. But even adults would find that difficult. None of us really want to be targeted. None of us want to feel alienated. That's not something we sign up for. We don't outgrow that need for connection. That is part of the human experience. We want to connect with other people. We want to be seen and heard and appreciated. And cyberbullies know it. And so they work very hard to isolate and alienate their victims. They bring fear into the lives of those they target. Shame is a powerful emotion in the United States of America. We see a lot of this. It's kind of going to a new level. People are using shame as a way to bring about a result that they want. And I think that's disgusting. I think that real meaningful change is born deep within the heart. And that's something we have to understand. And we have to take that knowledge and figure out how we are going to turn this problem upside down. Flip the script, if you will. I want to share a story with you. And I often think about this story, and it's my story. And I reflect on this as I think about what kids are going through today. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I was a cheerleader, and it was a game day. And we had to wear our cheerleading uniforms to school that day to sort of remind people that there was a game and to get them to have some school spirit. And as I walked down this hall to my locker, I can still relive this. I relive it as I think about it. I can hear the sounds and see the sights. And as I got to my locker, I did the combination, and I was pretty excited because I was new to this high school experience, and I had perfected my combination. I was able to open that locker, no problem. And as I opened that locker, I saw something 
that made my heart drop. There was a message, a hateful message written in black marker. And my reaction was just to slam the locker. I felt ashamed. I knew in my heart that what was written was not true. But I remember thinking, if somebody sees this, they might believe it. They might think, why would someone write that if it's not true? I stood there. I didn't even get the books that I needed. I wanted to just rush away from it. And in fact, I started to. And then I realized I couldn't go to class without what I needed. I walked back slowly. I should have been walking quickly because I didn't want to be tardy. But I dreaded opening that locker and seeing that ugly message. I stood there for a moment looking around, hoping that I could somehow open that locker just enough to grab my book in my notebook and then slam it before anyone could see it. As I think about that, I think about the fact that I was able to slam that locker and keep that hidden. But online, on these social media sites, you can't do that. It's out there. And it's humiliating. I remember how I felt just seeing that in my locker. It was really essentially for my eyes only. And today, bullying is about embarrassing or humiliating the victim in the most public way possible. Recently, as a mom, I came face to face with this. My 13-year-old was targeted on this social media site that had been set up by students at his middle school. And it's all about posting drama. What's going on here? He said, she said. And they posted some hateful things about my son. And as I saw this, you know that mama bear was kicking up inside of me. And I thought about it. And I thought, what could I do right now? And I remembered my situation all those years ago and how I felt. And I thought, how does my son feel? Because everybody can see this. And he can exit out of it. But that doesn't mean that everybody else at the school is exiting out of it. He has no control over what other people see. So I thought about going to the school. And then what I recognized really quickly was that that was not going to solve the problem. Because I was already aware for my son that another parent had gotten the site shut down. It used to be called Taylor View Drama. So they shut it down, but then they started it up again. The same ugly tactics under a new name, Taylor View News. Only it was certainly not news you could use. It was 
news designed to hurt and humiliate. So I recognized that I had to approach this quickly. I wanted that down. And I thought, okay, I cannot, as his mom, write something because that would be embarrassing. But my grown son could. He's young enough to still be cool. And it's not so embarrassing to have your cool big brother come to your defense. There certainly wouldn't be able to call him a mama's boy. So my older son, Marcus, wrote a very diplomatic, straightforward approach calling out these bullies just by saying, this is not true, and what you're doing is a crime. And let me tell you something. We watched, and within five minutes, that post about my son was taken down. Because my son Marcus suggested that, you know what? We will notify the police. And that was enough to get their attention. It wasn't enough to shut down the entire site. But it certainly was enough for them to say, whoa, perhaps today we messed with the wrong person. And they took it down. But that's not the end of the story. And so this just really goes to show how relentless these cyber bullies are. The day before Thanksgiving, my son got a personal message. And that personal message came from that same hateful account. But it was now not posted for everyone's eyes. It was posted for his eyes. A message to him telling him that he had no friends and that he should just kill himself. Just do everyone a favor and kill yourself. I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. I could not believe this was happening. And yet I've reported on it as a journalist for years, but now it was much more personal. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give you more details on that. And we're going to talk about some of the positive things that you and I can do. Ways that we can get our voices involved in making a difference. We'll be back. Straight talk from a free thinker who is not afraid to call it like it is. This is the JoLynn Thomas Show. Before the break, I was talking about that hateful message that my 13-year-old son, Jordan, received. And he was embarrassed to share this with me. He felt humiliated. And that's obviously what they wanted. The message said that he had no friends and he should just kill himself. And on the Cyberbullying Research Center, they have a lot of information devoted to those kinds of messages and what you can do. This is not a new tactic. This is something that these cyber bullies continue 
doing. It's a way to make their victims feel powerless and humiliated. Shame causes people to hide in the darkness. And we can't have healing unless we find the courage to bring those ugly issues out into the light. Well, I had been noticing some changes in my son. He just seemed a little more on edge. I was wondering, where is my son? I could see some little personality changes. And I knew something was going on, but he wasn't wanting to talk about it. And I believe now that that is not the only message that he received. I believe it had been going on for a while. And fortunately, he opened up to my son Marcus's fiance, Alexandria. They were at home hanging out, and she shared that with me. And I was so glad, and I think he was relieved too. And we talked about it. And I remember his response as I was sort of in that mom mode saying, we are not going to tolerate this. He said, mom, look, I know I have friends. I'm not going to kill myself. And I said, Jordan, that's that may be true. But this is wrong. And we have to stand up not just for you, but for all those other victims. And I said, what about somebody who maybe doesn't have the family support that you have? Or what about somebody who is struggling with a lot of difficult challenges and they get this kind of a message? What about somebody who might, because of depression, be contemplating suicide and then they get that message? Maybe it's the push they were looking for. I said, Jordan, we have to find the courage to speak up. Not just for you, but for others. And I think that continues to be our challenge as a society. To care even when it doesn't affect us directly or personally. Because if we don't stand up, we never really know when that injustice might come for us. And sometimes we don't necessarily put cyberbullying into that injustice arena. We tend to think of injustice as something that has to do with the law or policies that discriminate. But there is nothing just about targeting somebody, about searching out and finding their vulnerable places and then attacking. So currently, we are in the process of working to make a difference at his school. And the bright spot, you know, I always like to find the bright spot because what I've learned over the years and with every story is that if you look hard enough, you can find it. And the bright spot in this is that when that message was posted on that public school site, which, let me clarify, it's not school-sanctioned, but it is created by students in the school's name, and it is for students of the school. When that message was posted, I was so impressed 
with the number of students who came to his defense and who said, that's not true. That's a rumor. Stop this. And I think that is one of the keys here. We have to empower young people to stand up to the bullies because bullies thrive on fear. And when we face them and we let them know that we're not going to tolerate this, we sort of take away their power. There is this really amazing site out there that I came across. It's called DoSomething.org. And this is an organization of like six million, I'm not kidding, six million young people coming together to do just that, to do something positive, to bring about change where they can. And one of the ideas that they had is to start a positivity page. And that's something that I'm working with my son on. To start a page that sort of competes against those pages that are designed to showcase drama or reveal secrets or hurt or humiliate. This is about looking for the good in those around you. Noticing the positive acts that students at the school do and showcasing that. Giving power to positivity. Now, here's the thing. In this particular moment, we thrive on watching reality TV. A lot of us do. And I'm going to tell you right now, I definitely have my guilty little pleasures when it comes to reality TV. I definitely have those shows that I love. But as I watch them, I'm often awestruck by just how much power we give bullies. None of us would really like to say that we cheer on bullies or give them the free pass to do what they do. But when you watch reality TV, if you zero in, you notice that the people that get a lot of screen time, the people that seem to get a lot of notoriety are those who are outrageously mean. And yet, on the other side of the coin, those who showcase kindness are often viewed as doormats. That is my pet peeve. I'm going to tell you right now. Kindness is not weakness. And I get really bothered when people try to suggest in some way that kindness is a sign of weakness. Look, let's just call it what it is. It takes no strength or courage to blow up or to say mean things. That doesn't take strength or courage. It doesn't. That's human nature. When somebody is mean to you, it doesn't take a lot of strength to blow up. But on the other side of things, being able to throw kindness around like confetti in the face of that kind of ugliness takes strength. It takes courage. There's nothing weak about kindness because people in general, you and I both know it, no matter what arena we're in, you're going to rub shoulders with some rude people, whether you're at the dry cleaners, the restaurant, wherever. You're going to encounter rude people. And rude people 
know how to handle somebody who comes at them. That just fuels their fire. But when you throw a little kindness at it, it's something they're not used to. And it sort of diffuses the situation. Because it's really hard for somebody to argue with themselves, right? And I learned this concept a lot of years ago when I was working at my dad's car dealership during the summer as I was working on my journalism degree. And my dad said, your job is to be the sunshine lady. Okay, what's that about? So they positioned me in the service department. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, when people are without their car, they are generally irritated because it's it's inconvenient. If you don't have your car, you can't do what you need to do. It throws a wrench into your entire schedule. And so my dad said, your job is to make people happy. Your job is to be a compassionate listener and to work with these people. Buy them a soda. Uh, offer them a free oil change. Get them a tank of gas. Do what you need to do to diffuse the situation. And I'm so grateful for that experience. Now, initially, as I'm standing there and people are yelling at me, it was kind of challenging. But I remembered what my dad had said. Don't react. React only with compassion. And so as I stood there and I would say, oh, I can't imagine how inconvenient this must be. (coughs) People would start to slow down. And I would offer them a soda and an oil change. But interestingly enough, what I discovered in that little scenario is that time and time again, what people wanted more than the free oil change or the free tank of gas or for me to buy them lunch or a soda was to be heard to have a witness, to have somebody showcase compassion. And the same is true in every single aspect of our lives. Think about it. When you're struggling, chances are, I know for me, it's this way. I don't really want somebody to tell me how to fix the problem. I know what's going on. But sometimes it's just nice to be able to have somebody who's willing to just be a witness, a witness to what you're going through. Someone who says, man, this is tough, but you're doing a good job. I can't imagine how you're handling all this. There's power in that kind of validation. And if we can remember that and bring that into the equation, I believe we are going to be more effective at stopping this problem. There is a campaign that is going on, and I love this campaign because it fits right in with what I was talking about in terms of being a witness. Now there is an emoji that will allow you to be a witness, to take a stand, to send the message to these cyber bullies that you see them, you know what they're doing, and you're not having any of it. It is amazing. So if you have not seen this, it is one of those little conversation bubbles with an eye in the center. 
And this is just an emoji. So if you witness ugly things online, no matter your age, and I'm sure adults, this is not just a childlike problem. This isn't just something that impacts teenagers. Adults are getting in the arena and engaging in cyberbullying as well. So all you have to do is post this emoji. And that says to the bully, we see you. We know what you're doing. And we are witnessing that ugliness. And we are taking a stand. Not on our watch are we going to allow this. And it makes that victim feel supported. So snaps to this powerful take a stand. I am a witness campaign. That's what people need. A witness. And bullies do not like that. Notice. People can engage in bullying behavior, but they don't want to be called a bully. But when you call it like it is, whew, it stops them in their tracks because they don't always associate that ugly, mean-spirited behavior with bullying ways. Often they just think, you know what? I am justified. I am justified in having these feelings. Certainly, we're all justified in our feelings, but that is not an open invitation to wreak havoc on other people's lives. So we need to be a witness and send that message that we will not tolerate this. On dosomething.org, there was a very powerful image that I want to share with you. And it is of some students, and they're wearing T-shirts that say, not in our school. And this is part of just this idea of a social bond. And on the Cyberbullying Research Center, they talk about social bonds. And they also have this image there. And they talk about how getting students to bond together in an effort to fight this problem can have a profound impact in reducing this. Another positive idea started in Canada back in 2014. I love this one because I'm a fan of post-it notes. I always have been ever since I can remember. I like the idea of being able to write something and then just have it stick. Well, this young woman named Caitlin decided to flip the script on her bullies. So she started posting positive messages. Things like, breathe deep, you're amazing. Believe in yourself. Respect yourself. You're worth it. You're a treasure. Never forget how amazing you are. You can overcome anything because you're amazing and strong. And this was my personal favorite. You leave a sparkle everywhere you go. I'm all into the sparkle. Anyone that knows me knows that. So she just posted these hundreds of messages, and now it is a worldwide phenomenon. This is an example of how one small and simple action 
can start a chain reaction of positivity, positivity and goodness. And now people are engaging in positive post-it day. Positive post-it day. I love it. I love that idea. You can make a difference by just deciding to be a witness, by empowering those around you to also be a witness and to look out for that bullying. Instagram has taken a step. In May of this year, they put more filters out there that are designed to filter out ugly comments, the kind of comments that target somebody's appearance or their character, and they're going to watch this and monitor what accounts are getting a lot of filters. And so if these particular accounts continue having problems, they say they'll take action because they're not going to tolerate it. And from where I'm sitting, that's the key. That's what we have to do. We have to use our voices, combine our voices, and collectively our voices can send a powerful message to these cyber bullies who (coughs) absolutely thrive on being able to destroy lives. It's sad. It's horrible. And we can make a difference. So I encourage you to check out do something.org and see some of the positive things that are happening and maybe start a post-it day in your area. Positive post-it day. It's not hard. And also empower your kids to know their worth and to be a witness. It's a little emoji. Who doesn't love emojis? Just get in the habit of using that emoji. I would love to know your thoughts. You can always message me. Find me at the Joe Lynn Thomas Show on Facebook. Let me know what experiences you have had with cyberbullying. You can also leave comments, and I will talk to you again. Uh, if you have a show idea, you can always let me know that as well. But in closing, I just want to remind you, that about 43% of our kids have been bullied online and only one in 10 of those victims ever inform anybody about that. So we have to know that 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 statistic is a lot higher than 43%. So let's join together in an effort to turn cyberbullying upside down. We can stop these power-hungry, emotional terrorists in their tracks if we join together and send that message that not on our watch will we sit back and watch as you target, shame, and humiliate others in a public setting. Not on our watch will we sit back and pretend that words don't destroy lives. Not on our watch will we buy into that Little notion that sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. There are stories, countless stories out there that prove that names do hurt and that words can, in fact, be deadly. We all have a voice and we all have the power to make a difference. 
Let's throw kindness around like confetti and remember that kindness counts. And you never really know what somebody's going through. You never really know because they don't wear that on their sleeves. They don't walk around showcasing what their struggles are. And I'm promising you right now that if we were able to see inside what each of us was insecure about, we might be amazed. (coughs) We probably would be absolutely amazed. I'm Jolene Thomas. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll talk to you again next time right here on Talk Zone.